For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige Demakos and Jamie Eisner today. No Jake Arians, he is still recovering from his weekend great event for the Arians Family Foundation. We had quite a great time raising a lot of money and awareness for the CASA and foster care system in Arizona. Love to see the Arians family continuing to make an impact in Arizona uh, after Bruce has now moved on to Tampa Bay. So just a little shout out on that. Jamie, how are we doing today? How are you doing? Because you're in Arizona and I'm in uh, rainy, uh, crappy weather in Indianapolis. Well, you know, as I look out the window right now, it looks like there might be a cloud later in the day today. Uh, I believe it's going to be in the mid-70s, mid to low 70s. So uh, yeah. I'm really, it's on. really toughing it out here. Like it's really mm-hmm. – I mean most of our listeners right now are probably not happy with, with me. But yeah, I mean I'm toughing it out. I'll find a way to make it through the day. Yeah, just keep laying it on thick, Jane. Don't worry. I, uh, I'm definitely looking at the weather app routinely on my phone and working on a pitch to Roger Goodell to permanently move the combine from Indianapolis to Scottsdale. Uh, this is, this is the move. This is what I'm trying to do, but I am here, Indianapolis. Uh, excited to be here, although I'm not excited about the weather. The Draft Network will be covering wall-to-wall coverage of the Combine all week long. So head on over to the draftnetwork.com. You're going to have articles on players, coverage of the head coaches and GMs in the NFL starting tomorrow. They all talk tomorrow. That is Tuesday if you're listening to Monday's podcast. We're going to have so much coverage. The whole team is down here. It's it's going to be a great week. So please make sure you check out the draftnetwork.com for all of your combine needs and feel free to shoot us over any questions you have. But for today's show, what we're getting into is some news and notes from around the NFL. We're taking a break from our NFL free agency previews. We'll get back to those when I am back next week from the combine. We're going to take a little time this week to kind of kind of get caught up on what everything that's happened in the NFL since we've been focusing on these free agency stories. So Jamie, let's start off with with Drew Brees coming back officially because we didn't ever never got into that. Obviously huge fantasy impact, huge football impact. Let's start the fantasy impact for Drew Brees and the pieces around him. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest impact is that you can continue to keep Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas steadily in that middle of the first round, upper middle of the first round. Uh, I, there's been some pushback I have on my initial Alvin Kamara ranking. Uh, I would still take him in the top five. I know some other people have uh, pushed back against that for next year. But that's what you want to see for the major playmakers. It's what you want to see for Jared Cook as well, who really emerged in the second half of the season as a legitimate uh, top five tight end fantasy option with all the touchdowns he was catching in the red zone threat. Uh, so he's going to stay in that kind of category there too of being a legitimately, you know, some people are going to have him super high and I, I've seen people getting ridiculous with it with Cook, but I, I think he's still a legitimate top five tight end going into next year with Drew Brees back. 
And to me, I think that's the biggest fantasy takeaway. The biggest real-life takeaway is that it keeps the Saints in Super Bowl contention again next year. Now, if you listen to them on Twitter, every year when they're eliminated from the playoffs, they will like to tell you how they're still the best team in football, uh, even though they're never <laughs> playing on Super Bowl Sunday anymore. But they'll tell you how great they are. Uh, but they are legitimately a great team. They're going to be back there next year. And we can save the Taysom Hill franchise quarterback debate, conversation, whatever it is, stand-up routine for next offseason. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> I'm still waiting for that to not be a thing, but I know that it will continue to be, right? So yes, yes to all the fantasy relevance that you just went through. It obviously if you're in a dynasty league and you have a guy like Michael Thomas, the best news for you possible is knowing that Drew Brees is coming back. Is there any thought to the conversation that we had, Jamie, um you myself and Jake on on really a, a start to Start of a regression for Drew Brees. I don't think he's fully there, but he definitely, there is some concern after the injury. Specifically, Jake talked about it. You know, that postseason game was obviously a huge letdown, but do you just, do we just kind of chalk it up to listen? They, they went into that playoff game and they just weren't prepared. They maybe overlooked Minnesota, um, on paper, the better team, right? I think they were a double digit point spread favorite in that playoff game. Or do you think there's a potential that Drew Brees has regressed and maybe this team isn't as Super Bowl ready as they think? I mean, he has, he's clearly regressed some, but he's regressing from a pretty high point. And I think that there, there's a, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's this weird talk that a lot of times in fantasy across all the fantasy sports of, this was between a player that is on the back end of their career or regressing and being bad. I mean, there, there's a difference. Sometimes yeah. they're one and the same, uh, but there's been a difference. To me, the biggest thing is from a fantasy perspective, you're not, t I don't know where people are taking Drew Brees, but I think they kind of caught on last year and I don't think he was getting overdrafted in most formats. And I don't think he'll be overdrafted this year. It's just more good news for all the pieces around him because you keep consistency in that offense. You keep. You keep those to the target volume that you've been seeing from Michael Thomas, for example, and all that stuff stays the same. For the real life team, he still gives them the better chance to win right now than Taysom Hill. And I still think probably better than Teddy Bridgewater does. I know Bridgewater played really well in that stretch, but I still think those, Drew Brees today for this coming season gives them the best chance to win the Super Bowl. Not two, three, four, five years from now, but right now. And so to me, and there was not really another option. I guess the only downside was what we talked about with Jake on the show a few weeks back of the timing of contract situations makes this so you must allow Teddy Bridgewater to leave. Like that's the only mm -hmm. downside. Like if you yeah. would truly believe that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be your franchise guy, which they believed in him a lot. They paid him a lot of money to come be the backup there. So that there, this wasn't a, his success with Breeze being out was not a surprise to anybody in the Saints organization. But that's the only downside is that you're forced to let Teddy Bridgewater walk. Although I'm not sure they were going to give him $30 million a year or $25 million a year or whatever, whatever the actual asking price was at the moment. You know, these numbers that have flowed out here are always kind of, some of them are on the money. Some of them are, you know, agents leaking stuff to the press. Uh, but I don't think they were going to be willing to pay Bridgewater that sort of money anyway. But you definitely can't if Jubilees is coming back for one year. Yeah, and I think the regression is a little overplayed, right? And I think you brought up the great point, Jamie, that you're, you're regressing from MVP caliber, right? Which is like, that's okay. It's okay for him to regress. That happens as you get older, but he's still, you know, he still was putting up phenomenal numbers, even post him coming back from that injury. And, and that postseason game, I totally understand the 
frustration from a Saints fan perspective, the ability to to look at that and go, yeah, it's it's on that offense, it's on Drew Brees, but it was on that whole team. That team did not show up for that game, and it was to me, it was a big overlooked. They were overlooking, they were buying, they were drinking all the Kool Aid. You know, we were we were we were buying into it. We were like, this is the potentially the best team in the NFC. And they played a home game and they got knocked in the mouth by Kirk Cousins, right? So that was, it's definitely to me, I think the, the football impact is on a, on a personal level. I'm excited to watch Drew Brees play again. I, I really, for him to win another Super Bowl, I think would be great for his legacy. Um, for, for all the things that he's done, all the records that he's set, you know, he has the one Super Bowl. I think it would be great to see him go get another one, Jamie. But whether or not that's going to happen this year, the NFC's loaded. There are a lot of good teams in the NFC. They're, this is not going to be an easy cakewalk back, but that division is in flux, right? You've got potentially Cam Newton not being the quarterback. I mean, more than likely he's he's going to be gone. You've got potentially Jameis Winston obviously not starting there, and then that Atlanta team that I, I just can't figure out, right? So that division is is very winnable for the Saints, and that automatically puts you in a position to to be back in the postseason next year, Jamie. Yeah, they're an interesting spot because I, I think Carolina is going to try to bottom out. Um, I think they're kind of, yes. if they have some success, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll take it, I guess. But, uh, I don't think they're going to be actively trying to be a playoff contender this year for a number of different reasons. Uh, you know, with Atlanta, that defense is still so bad on paper. Like, I mean, they played better mm-hmm. at times last year. They have their moments, but just on paper, that, that just the talent on that, and that defense is just not up to snuff right now. And, They'll be they'll be competitive. I mean, keep people forget Matt Ryan got hurt and was still playing hurt on that that ankle injury, uh, and was basically playing at eighty percent for a, a big portion of the season, even when he came back. So I expect them to be a little bit better because just their offense can carry them. But the, I mean, Tampa is going to be a team I think is competitive, but I, I got to see what the quarterback situation is there um, because if if they run it back with Jameis. You know, I still think they could be, you know, a team that competes for this mythical. Now we don't know if we're going to have one, but this mythical seventh playoff spot. Um, I think they can be a nine or 10 win team. But to me, I just, it, I would have to twist my mind in weird ways to get the Saints down to a nine or 10 win team. Like I think it would be injuries yeah. would have to cause that. So I still think this is the Saints division to win and I'm still going to pick them to win this division. But this is really the last run with Drew Brees. Even if this, for whatever reason, if he doesn't retire after this year, I think he does. But if even if he doesn't, this is the last run with him on this Saints team. We need to see it because there's a lot of talent. And, and we're going to talk about this era of quarterbacks. And Tom Brady scooped up all the rings. So, I mean, I know it's made it tough. Yeah. But the, the fact that we could legitimately look back on this era and say, Drew Brees got one. Aaron Rodgers got one. And we're just talking about these, I mean, just surefire, no doubt, you know, just start bronzing their busts right now, uh, Hall of Fame guys that just yeah. got one. And the Saints have had some really darn good teams in these last few years, and they've found a way to choke it away in the postseason. The Packers, I don't know if they've, their roster construction has been a big issue for them over the last few years, and maybe some coaching as well. So the, the, the reasons why those teams haven't won a second Super Bowl varies. but. It is interesting kind of looking back on, on just two elite quarterbacks of this era. And by the way, getting one is, I'm, I'm not shaming any quarterback for getting one, but I'm just saying when you have some of these guys, the expectation is when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback on your roster, you want to get at least one, but hopeful, but preferably two or more Super Bowls. And 
Unfortunately, we're going to leave this error with Rodgers getting one, maybe. Breeze getting one, maybe. Rivers getting zero, likely. And we'll see how things turn mm-hmm. out in Seattle because Russell Wilson might only get one. So, I mean, there, there's, there are all of these things that go into this equation. It might just remind you of how difficult it is to win a Super Bowl because we are talking about generational talents at the most important sp- position in pro football. And none of them have multiple rings and some of them don't have any. It's, it's, it brings up the point, Jamie, that one, how difficult it is and also how incredible it is what, what Brady's done, right? Just, just how it puts into context the names that you just said and how good those guys all are and that more than likely they are all going to walk away with one. Right. More than likely. That's it is. It is pretty difficult to imagine that all those guys are going to go get another one. Now, obviously, Russell Wilson played in another one, lost one. Right. That's yeah. it's he could. He's a younger guy. He might get back in there, but it's it's a tough feat to get yourself back there to get yourself. I mean, ask the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, come on. You're looking at the, the where that team has fallen. Yeah. I mean, ask the Rams. It's exactly right. It is, it is hard to have sustained success in the NFL. It's not, the league is not built for that. The league, the way that it is set up with free agency and, and how things shake out, it's not built for sustained success. They've just kind of figured out some magic sauce in, in, uh, in New England. All right. Let's move on here, Jamie. I want to talk to you about a couple of other things that are going on in the league. One thing that you did not have on your list that I want to bring up is the Stefan Diggs kind of news and rumblings around his potential movement. Um, there's been a lot of discussion here specifically around where where he could end up, right? Uh, Minnesota's cap situation, as we discussed on the previous podcast, if you want to go back and listen to that, it's not great, right? They they do not have their negative $11 million. They got to move some stuff around. And is Stefan Diggs and the Minnesota Vikings have had this back and forth for some time, right? If you've been watching this team, there have been antics on the sidelines. There's been not showing up for practice. There's been back and forth with coaching staff. There's been frustration very clearly catered to Kirk Cousins. Um, then there's been times where they went to him and featured him in light of certain things and discussions that were surrounding it. So, Jamie, if you're the Minnesota Vikings, do you think it's time to to move on for Stephon Diggs? And what do you think is what do you think the draft capital is that they should be looking for to make that make that deal happen? Well, I don't think they're going to move him precisely because of their cap situation. Uh, it, if they move him, yes, they would free up. I believe it's like five five and a half million dollars of cap space, but they're going to take a nine million dollar in dead cap if they move him this year. Yep. So. I, I don't see a reason why – I don't think they're that desperate where they're willing to debate. Because now at that point, you're not saying, do you want a $14 million wide receiver on your roster? For this year, you're saying, do you want a $5.5 million wide receiver on your roster? Or do you want the draft capital that comes to that? To me, I think you want Stefan Diggs at the 5.5 number. And, and I know you're like, well, you're paying all of that. But the reality is you're paying, you're paying nine on your cap regardless. Like that, that's the situation. Mm-hmm. You're going you're to have $9 million of Stefan Diggs on your cap this year, whether he plays for you or plays for somebody else or plays in the XFL. It doesn't matter. He's going to be $9 million under cap. So to me, I don't think that's a move you make. I think you, we talked about them on their NFC North show of you're in a very, very tight window here because of your cap situation where you almost have to basically say, we're going to give this a shot this year, especially if you, you don't think Kirk Cousins is your long-term answer. If that's the case, you are mm-hmm. legitimately saying, we just got to run it back with the guys we've got this year and the guys that aren't free agents and just see what kind of happens. Um, but even so, like you have a short window here. I still think it's a winnable division. I think the Packers are going to come back down, but it's a winnable division because a lot of teams are good. Like I think the Bears could win this division next year. I think the Vikings could win this division next year. I think the, I think all three of the top three teams could win this division next year because I think they're all good. 
Uh, but it's still winnable. Right? I don't think there's a – to me, there isn't a clear cut at this moment. We'll see what happens after the draft and free agency. But there isn't a clear cut, no doubt, NFC North winner in my mind. So I think you have to keep Stephon Diggs. I think you, you Adam Thielen's injury history dictates you still mm-hmm. need another receiver out there because who else are you going to? I mean, again, they were running out like BC Johnson and Laquan Treadwell uh, at, at times last year when guys were hurt. And, you know, running two tight end sets with Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph. So, I mean, like you don't have – this plethora of pass catching weapons that you can just let a guy like Stefan Diggs go. No one's going to give you a one. No one's going to give you something like that. So to me, are you, are you taking a day yeah. two pick for Stefan Diggs? If you could clear up the entire amount of that cap space, I think you would consider it given their situation because just that one move in itself would put you under the cap and you can then start to, you know, move some things around. Like we talked about on our show, we went really in depth on that uh, last week or two weeks ago, but in this situation, no, I, I still don't see there being that much value in trading him this season. And that's why I was glad you brought it up because the discussion started happening and, and that's why we do those cap breakdowns. Because while I understand the thought process behind, hey, if we could, and the discussion was if you could get a one, right? And I don't think that's going to happen. And, and well, even if they could, even if, like, yeah, it depends. then, then like you if talk about it. For sure. Middle of the first round pick, but I don't think, and you can immediately use that on a receiver or something like, Maybe, but I just don't, I don't see that. But in the end, like with the, with the rookie cap hits and all this other stuff, the reality is if, if it's a mid one, you're really basically not saving that much money on the cap. And all you're doing is yep. just moving Stefan Diggs for, uh, you know, let's say Henry Ruggs. Okay. So yeah. you're just replacing those guys and you're maybe saving for one year. Now you save some more down the road, but this year, you're really only saving maybe a million, million and a half on the cap. So if you're doing this as a cap measure for this year to get you – because you're going to be fine when Cousins goes or you restructure him for the most part. So if you're doing this for cap reasons only, it doesn't make a lot of sense. If you're like, he's disgruntled mm-hmm. and we need to get something for him and someone gives you a one, it's more of a lateral move on the cap. But at least you get a young player going forward that's going to help you in years two, three, or four when you have more space and you'll get more space by – paying a rookie contract versus what you'd be paying for digs. But if you're doing this for a one year thing, uh, I, I would not, uh, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. And I just, it, it kind of doesn't really align with, with where I think they, they think they are. I think that they assume they are still in a Super Bowl window with this team and with this roster. And, and there's heat, as we discussed on Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman to go in to bring this team out. They're tied to cousins. Got They, they kind of just, they kind of got to see if they can make this group work. Right. And it, and it hasn't worked. It hasn't, they haven't elevated from where they were with Case Keenum and they haven't been able to win the division and they haven't been able to do what they expected to do, which is take this team to a Super Bowl, right? Even to an NFC championship game, compete for a Super Bowl. And I, I assume that, that they're going to want to continue to be in that window and, and run it back. I don't think the Stefan Diggs situation is that bad. Now, if it gets more disgruntled, if he's forcing them to make a trade, all of a sudden it becomes a completely different conversation, right? But I think knowing the cap situation, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but that's why I put the qualifier out there. If it's a one, it becomes a different conversation, right? But let's let's see where is the one? Where is the what's the what's the cap situation with the rookies? Jamie brings up great points, right? That you it, it's almost an even trade. So we'll see. I, I don't. I don't anticipate that it's going to happen, but it is something that's been out there over the last couple of days. Uh, also want to talk about Mason Crosby resigning in Green Bay. 
one of the things that uh, <laughs> kickers are people too, right? Jake would be happy if we were saying that. Uh, he's not here to to defend himself. But the reality is, getting a getting a kicker that is consistent, getting a kicker that is consistent in a place like Green Bay is really really hard. And Mason Crosby's had his moments, but for the most part, his tenure, his career has been very consistent for Green Bay. So this is a this is a good signing for them, Jamie. And this is something that you then don't need to worry about this position because Mason Crosby is a very, very good kicker. Yeah, beside him to a three-year deal, I believe in what it was, so at, at a pretty good number. He had a really good season. It, it's funny because he only really had that – he had like one disastrous season a few years ago when people were ready to write him off, and then he's really bounced back. Mm-hmm. It's funny to think about how long he's been in the league. I don't know if you remember this, but they were doing these like interesting like NFL like promotion commercials a uh, number of years ago now. I mean, I mean, it could be, okay. it could be bordering on seven, eight years ago now. And like the NFL players were just doing like random, just like superhuman things. And like Mason Crosby had a whole commercial to himself where he's like kicking a ball off of a, a church bell, uh, and trying to I hit a church this. bell at the very top yep. of the thing, uh, and nailing it. And that's always what I, for whatever reason, that image is always stuck in my mind about Mason Crosby, uh, with the big light that he has. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a good signing for Green Bay. Uh, it's tough to kick there. He's been super consistent for them for so long. Is is a veteran guy there. Good signing. They didn't have to commit a ton to him. Just again, just solid signing overall. Got to be happy if you're a Packers fan. Yeah, happy if you're a Packers fan. And from a fantasy kicker perspective, he's always one of those guys I I end up either picking up off the waiver wires or getting with my last overall pick. And I'm always happy that I do it because they, especially when the weather changes, they end up getting down to the red zone and kicking a lot of field goals. And he's been pretty consistent with the exception of that one year that was, I, I think it was two seasons ago. He had a tough year, but he's been pretty good and pretty consistent in, in, in what is one of the toughest places by far to kick. Green Bay is a very, very hard place to kick. So good for, good for him. And that's a good signing for Green Bay. Staying in that division, Jamie, Danny Amendola resigns in Detroit. Listen, we talked about the Matthew Stafford stuff at length, right? That they're not going to move on from Stafford. But what interesting conversation that has come up is is the fact that they could still draft Tua this year at that third overall spot and and have Stafford play this season, which I think becomes a very interesting dynamic. I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, all of a sudden it's it's another it, they're they're bringing on a, a a young guy like like Tua and there's a lot of excitement in Detroit and maybe Matt Patricia's buying himself some time but Danny Amendola's re-signing there obviously helps Matthew Stafford or whoever's playing quarterback going into next year for Detroit. Oh, absolutely. And and it, it's I was a little surprised to see him sign a one-year deal. Like on our last podcast mm-hmm. I thought maybe he would be a guy that signed a multi-year deal. Not exactly coming off of like a phenomenal season, but he had his moments. He was like a really sneaky, strong, like PPR waiver wire guy. Like he was the guy that in all of my waiver wire columns in the back half of the year was, I was typically being like, Hey, you know, do you need help this week on by or six teams on by or four teams on by? He's going to get the job done. You know, you know, 75% of the time he's going to get you double digit points. And he actually put up a nice little run him and like Cole Beasley. Had some, I mean, Beasley was better, but they both kind of as slot guys put up those decent little full PPR point values. I like him going back there. I, I think he's going to be a guy that goes late in drafts. He's, he's going to be a good safety blanket for Matthew Stafford when he's there. And he's been fairly productive for his whole career. Really no bad one year deals when you're not in cap trouble. So I, I'm pretty happy with this. Uh, and as far as the tour stuff goes, you can do it. And, but as we broke down on the NFC North show, it's going to be more like a couple years before it becomes a lot easier 
to yep. trade slash cut Stafford based on cap purposes. Now you can do it sooner and you would still save a little bit of money, but you're still going to carry a big cap hit. But the reality is if you think two is the guy, and I, and I will always say this, if you truly believe that that player is your franchise quarterback, you do everything in your power to get them. It's going to be your reputation one way or the other. You can ask Ryan Pace about that. It's, your <laughs> reputation is going to be on the line. But if you believe that's your guy, you take them. Because if you find a franchise quarterback in the draft, there is no easier path to the Super Bowl than that. Period. End of story. So if they believe two is the guy, you figure out the cap situation two or three years down the road, two or three years down the road. Because you're going to get five years of Tua on a rookie deal, including the fifth-year option. So you're just going to you, – you figure it out. If that's your guy, that's your guy. To me – if he's not your guy or, or Herbert or none of those guys are your guy and you're like, eh, you know what? We, we, we like, we're in like with these guys, but we don't feel the need to have to go and reach for those guys. Then you move back and you get a ton of draft capital for that pick. But otherwise, if, if, if they say two is the guy that's going to lead you, then two is the guy. I'm just not sure that he's going to be the guy for them or that their current coaching staff is going to be their long term option there either. Yeah, I, it's, it's, they're in a, they're in a tough situation. I think for Patricia wanting to buy time, being in that third overall spot, drafting a rookie makes a ton of sense. But with the Stafford contract that obviously he wasn't a part of, um, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I think there's, there's some decisions and some conversations to be had. And, and I'm with you. If, if, if he's your guy, you make it work, you figure it out, you, you go into the season, you let him sit. Probably the best thing for him, obviously, with the injuries to be able to sit some time and, and learn the offense and, and become a pro. Uh, but for, for Stafford, for, on a, on a other note, I would love to see Stafford go somewhere else, get another shot to revitalize his career. I think he's never properly been utilized in Detroit. Detroit's really mismanaged what is most of the prime of his career and really put him in tough situations with never putting a, a good offensive line out there and him taking some, some serious battles. But with that contract, it's, it's, it doesn't seem likely that they're going to move on from him anytime soon. All right. Alshon Jeffrey reportedly wants a change of scenery. Jamie, one of the things that the Philadelphia Eagles have had struggles with is last year, they're their pass catching options were not ideal, be it with injuries and issues. And it, at, at one point we were looking at Carson Wentz and people complaining about Carson Wentz were going, guys, what is he, who is he throwing to? I mean, they had so many injuries last year. Alshon obviously being their, their number one option there has his own issues with injuries. Is this something you see happening? Do you see Alshon potentially moving out of there? Or do you think Philadelphia is going to try and make this work? Because he's definitely a key piece of their, of their offense and what I envision would be their future. Yeah, I think this is just talk. Uh, you know, we heard some rumblings during the season. If you remember late in the season about Alshon Jeffrey being unhappy or Alshon Jeffrey being unhappy with this or that. Uh, I think this is all talk right now. Um, I know he's got a close connection with one particular media member. Um, that, <laughs> that this information has been coming from. This one came from someone else, to be fair. This one, this report, uh, came from the athletic. Um, and not saying I give that more or less credence, but I do think it's, it's a different source. So for those of you saying yeah. it's going to be the same person it's always been, it's not. Uh, I just, I don't see them making this move because that's such an area of need for them. Now, again, if a player is just, is adamant and is like, I'm, I don't want to play for you. I don't want to be here. Then you have to make some tough decisions. Um, but to me, that's just, that's, aside from the secondary, that's just one area that you just can't lose from if you're Philly. You're, you're just, 
you're not in a you're not you're in a situation where you have a franchise quarterback. I don't care what anybody says, and we've gone over that before. We don't need to rehash the Carson Wentz argument again. In a winnable division, you can't lose his top pass catching option. You just can't. Uh, you know, I, I know Ertz has been great. I know Goddard's been great, but you're going to lose Aguilar, which is fine. He couldn't catch a cold last year, but you don't have enough pieces there. You have, when you have Alshon Jeffrey healthy, you have Deshaun Jackson healthy, which again is a rare commodity for both guys to be healthy at the same time. You have yeah. a legitimate passing attack with those two really strong tight ends. You bring in a rookie wide receiver. Uh, and then you say, okay, all of a sudden, this is a really interesting team. You know, you still have to worry about the secondary stopping anybody, but everything else about the team is fairly reasonably good. But if you trade Alshon Jeffrey from this team, and then I don't care how many rookie receivers you bring in, I, I just don't think you're going to be in a spot you want to be in as a team that has aspirations to at least be a contender for a Super Bowl. I don't have them as Super Bowl contenders, but they should at least be able, in their minds, they got to believe they're the best team in the division again. And that they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl at least. You're not going to do that with the same pass catching options you had last year if you have no Alshon Jeffrey at any point on top of it. No, they're not. And and we talk about the the learning curve for for rookie wide receivers. As good as as good as this class is, Alshon's a you know a number one in the league. And and although he has his injuries, I, I think banking on replacing him and although Aguilar wasn't great, you need two you need two other options then. Um, whereas the, you just laid out the offense looks pretty good. You got to, you know, you had Miles Sanders come on later on. You're, you're going to hope you're going to continue to bolster that running game and get better in that position. I, I just can't imagine that there, there's a theme here. There's a lot of wide receivers living up to the name of being divas, right? It's, it's, it is that position. It, it's kind of one of those things that it's a stereotype, but it rings true. A lot of wide receivers. There's always topics of conversation, not getting the ball enough, not liking what's happening in the offense. I think this is one where it would behoove Philadelphia to really do what they can to make sure that Alshon is playing in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform. And I assume that that is what they are going to do. All right. On the and, opposite and look, side there, of there are times, I'm oh, sorry to cut you off, ahead, page, but like there oh, are times ahead, where I feel re- receivers are justified in that. This is, I don't think, is one of them. And, and it's just, you know, you got to stay healthy. You got to be on the field. Like there are times when receivers are healthy on the field, doing everything, fighting through injuries, and they're because of poor quarterback play or or, or shoddy play calling, they're just not getting the ball enough. You know that now there are certain guys that won't speak up. I mean, there are times or guys that produce no matter what. Like we've talked about, New Hopkins over the years, where you know it could be T.J. Yates throwing him the ball, he's going to put up numbers. Um, yep. But in this case, I, I don't, I don't see it. Like you can't stay on the field. Like you're 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 a great talent, but. And Carson Wentz gets in the ball when he's on the field. You're just not on the field. So I, I don't know what, what the source of Jeffrey's frustration is. And if it's with something with the team or maybe frustration with his own injury history that's, that's kind of manifesting in, I want to change the scenery. I don't know what it is specifically that is causing this. Uh, if this, these reports are indeed true, but that's just one I don't get uh, of like, it doesn't make much sense to me because you're extremely productive when you're on the field. You're getting looks when you're on the field. You're the number one. You're the clear number one option at the wide receiver position, at least. And I still think he's the number one option over over Ertz when healthy and active. I don't know what the issue is here. So I wonder if there's something else going on there, or maybe some other issues, or maybe the way he's being treated, maybe by fans or somebody else in the organization. There's all that stuff that we don't know, uh, but it's just a little strange to me. 
Yeah, it is a little strange. There's always the the outliers, the Larry Fitzgeralds and the and Newt Hopkins who are have been thrown footballs by quarterbacks that they wish uh, they had never seen before, right? And they keep quiet and they do their thing and they just go out there and they're Hall of Fame level. But then there's guys like Alshon who's dating back to his time in Chicago. Always had issues. And listen, I get it. It was Jay Cutler, but his his not being able to be on the field has been a career long issue, whether it was injuries or suspension. Uh, so he's had he's had issues his entire career with being healthy. And it's hard for for me as a as a fan and as a consumer of the NFL when you're to, to justify that behavior. There's always times where I'm pro the wide receiver. Right. I'm like, yes, you deserve to be upset. I Trust me, I wish I could speak for Larry many of the times where he's not saying anything. But with with this situation, you have you have Carson Wentz. You're the clear cut number one guy. Go out there, play 16 games healthy, and, and let's have a conversation, Alshon. All right. The last kind of piece of news here, Jamie, that I want to get into is the old reliable, right? The opposite of the diva. That is AP back in Washington. We talk about running backs and not being able to not being able to sustain success for long periods of time. And then there's Adrian Peterson, who is a Jake and I talk about it all the time because we he played a year in, in Arizona and we had time to spend time around him and just was blown away by the human being, but also blown away by the physical specimen that that guy is. And it's a testament to how he takes care of his body and all the training that he does. But the position that he plays, the injuries he sustained, the fact that he's just a reliable back at that age it's incredible, Jamie, and and good to him, and good on Washington. I think for bringing him back because he brings a lot of value to that to that room, and and they haven't had consistency because they've had injuries across the board with 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 obviously with Thompson and Darius Geis as well. Yeah, and look, I, I like that signing for them. I like them bringing him them bringing him back because look, you you have a situation where you have Darius Geis now who's not has hasn't shown he can be healthy for a little bit. You have Bryce Love who's coming back off of an injury. Chris Thompson's a free agent. Uh, you know, so to me, having a veteran presence that you can rely on and say, look, push comes to shove, he's going to be out there for as many games as he can humanly possibly suit up for. Like if he has any ability to play, he's going to. And, and right now in that backfield, there's a ton of talent, but not a ton of health. And just to me, having that steady presence, they're having a veteran presence too. Again, new coach. I know it's a you know quarterback going into a second year. Your best best pass catchers are going into their second year. Uh, it, to me, I, I like having that veteran presence in the locker room. Like having him there, and he fits what they need right now, which is just a reliable option that they know that push comes to shove. If Darius Geis or Bryce Love, you know, have leg injuries again, they can throw Adrian Peterson right back in there, and also somebody they can use to split carries early on if Geis isn't fully ready. I mean, it, the reality is, is as explosive as Geis is doesn't matter if he's not on the field for you. So they're going to have to get creative in the way that they manage his workload, especially early on in the season until they can fully trust that they can ride him like a workhorse. So I'm, I think that's a great move for them and it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's one of those guys. He brings a, a lot to the table, veteran presence, leadership, all of those qualities. And considering they're going to be a really, really young team, I, I think, 
coaching staff and Ron Rivera, AP is exactly the type of guy that he wants in the locker room. Just a grinder, going to go out there, play football, hard nose, and, and totally fits what they're going to want and the type of culture change, really, that they're trying to bring to Washington. Because that's exactly what Ron Rivera is going to do. That is what he's looking to do, bring a culture change. And whether or not Dan Snyder is smart enough to allow Ron Rivera to do that is to be determined. But I think if anybody's going to get it done, it could be, you know, it could be Steamboat Ron. Ron's one of the one of the best at it, and I think he was able to, to elevate Carolina to a position of relevance that they had never seen before. And and obviously, Washington's a storied old franchise in the NFL, and they would love to have the sustained success that Carolina did over Ron Rivera's tenure. So I think this this signing makes a ton of sense for a lot of reasons, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he continues to impact the rookies and the guys around him going into next season. Jamie, the the last podcast and the last thing here is is we talked about the CBA and the proposal and that the owners already voted on it and voted yes, and and we thought that it might go through on Friday. It did not. Uh, we're still waiting on the player side to agree to things. I think there's multiple things that were slipped kind of in last minute, right? The additional playoff team that we talked about, we knew the 17 game season was, was coming, but what we, what we didn't, what wasn't a part of that is in all the initial reports that I saw the 17 game season was okay because of potentially having two bye weeks, which was not in the owner's proposal. So I think there's going to be some back and forth here. Do you envision that it's going to shake out this week or are, are we looking at something that's going to potentially linger longer here? Uh, I think it's going to shake out here in the next little bit. Maybe not this week, but it's possible. But look, th- th- there's this very interesting dynamic that always happens in these CBA deals. And because the reality is, is it's much easier to get 32 owners on the same page than it is to get thousands of NHL, uh, of NFL players on the same page. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is the intricacies of this CBA, to be fair, like most, are have the most benefits for players that are making little money. Veteran minimums, guys making a little bit for the guys more at the bottom portion of the roster. But the reality is, is there are more people that this affects positively that are at the bottom end of the roster than the mega stars like the J.J. Watts of the world who have spoken up against the current CBA deal on Twitter. So that's where this becomes this division inside of the players union where you're going to actually find that a lot of times that you're going to get a higher quantity of players that want that like a deal like this because it benefits them more than the superstars, and the superstars aren't going to like it because it doesn't benefit them enough or or whatnot. Um, because you're going to look at this where some players are like, well, I'm going to have more guaranteed roster spots, better chance to make the team, a flat-out pay raise. Um, mm-hmm. All of those things are huge positives, and you're going to understand why a player isn't going to want to necessarily, if it ever comes to this, vote to strike when they're like, well, the majority of the CBA is in my favor – Am I going to strike so that the J.J. Watts of the world that have made tens of millions of dollars get a better deal? This is why the owners win these negotiations. Yep. It's just a simple matter of you've got 32 billionaires coming together with one idea and you've got thousands of NFL players or hundreds and hundreds of NFL players. I should say I think it's like a little over a thousand when it comes together, but hundreds and hundreds of NFL players all at different stages of their career, different stages of life, different stages of income opportunities and different backgrounds. And it becomes a lot more difficult to get to to basically herd all of them into one centralized idea. Um, so I do think this deal is going to get done pretty soon. Uh, if the holdup ends up being an extra bye week, I think the NFL can make that happen. Are, are, are any of us going to cry if they go to a, a two game preseason? I don't think any of us are. No. 
or two game preseason, and maybe they'll do like instead of one Hall of Fame game, they do maybe two or three Hall of Fame games. So a handful of teams each year play a third preseason game. Uh, you know what I mean? Something like that. Uh, you know, maybe they go, maybe they make this rule where if you hire a new coach in the off season, you're eligible to play in the hall of fame game. Uh, you know, and if more than six new coaches are hired, then we'll do a raffle or something like give those new coaching staffs, like an extra preseason game, uh, you know, over everybody else in order to work that kind of stuff out. Uh, maybe again, you can get creative with this. I I don't think an extra bye week is what's going to hold this up. I really don't. I, I don't envision it being held up and Jamie hit the nail on the head there. It's the the reason that these negotiations are easy on one side and not on the other is you got way too many mouths to feed on one side. And if you've ever sat in a room in a meeting where there's 20 people versus three people, you know that sitting in a meeting with 20 people is a lot harder to get people to agree on anything than there is three, right? It's just a difference of opinion. You can't, it's very hard to get everybody to agree on anything when you all have your own individual needs. And like Jamie said, you're at different points of your career. You've made different amount of money. I think there are a few key points that are centralized, but past that it is, there's a certain group of people that are want this and a certain group of people that want that. And at the end of the day, that they all want to play, they all want to make money. And and I think it's, it's all going to shake out here potentially this week, especially with a lot of the NFL media together in one place and in Indianapolis. I think there's going to be a lot of discussions happening here. So obviously we'll keep everybody updated if we hear anything, any, any updates on that, but we will be recording towards the end of the, towards the end of the week. And, and maybe we'll be talking about a new and finalized CBA. Jamie, on that note, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? No, I'm just looking forward to the combine. I know you're down there, uh, I guess up there in Indianapolis. Uh, I know that the draft network's going to have a ton of coverage up there. We're already seeing, already seeing tweets about quarterback hand size. So we are, we are at that point of the year. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to the actual drills, uh, seeing how guys do, kind of seeing the risers and fallers. I, I will say, uh, be, uh, what you should do is if you see, and, and you're going to hear, I imagine the draft number guys talk about this ad nauseum, but if a player is really wowing or really disappointing at the combine, what that means for talent evaluators, which again, I'm not a talent evaluator, I'm not going to try to pretend to be, but what I want to see from talent evaluators is then go back to the film with that information and see, is there anything you missed? I think too often a lot of people that aren't in the profession just love to, oh, good combine, bad combine, drop stock, raise stock. But actually going back and seeing, okay, is there something we missed on film? Is he actually displaying this positive or negative trait and we just overlooked it? Or was there some inherent bias in the way we were looking at things? Is there an injury? Is there something we don't know? Uh, but just kind of keep in mind as you see players rise and fall, and I put that in air quotes on draft stock on Twitter, of if there's a player you really like that's not having a good combine, Go back and look at the film or go back and look at evaluate the draftnetwork.com and look up at the, uh, if you look up at the players, uh, each individual players, there's anywhere from two to like seven different scouting reports from the different people at the draft network breaking down the film and telling you what they see, pros, cons, weaknesses, areas of improvement. Go back and look and see if there are any context clues in that information that match up with what you're seeing at the combine. Uh, and if not, maybe do some of your own film analysis and see if you can find those areas because keep in mind, this is still just a few-day period in shorts and a T-shirt in Indianapolis. If you have an overwhelming amount of tape that tells you a player is, you know, has a like a lot of times you see a game speed versus straight-ahead speed. If you have an overwhelming amount of tape showing you that this player can get separation against top corners at the college level, and he runs a tenth of a second slower 
in the 40 than you would have hoped. I, I, if you're dropping him too much because of that, I think you're overreacting. So that's basically what I'm saying. Don't overreact too much. Use this as a tool, as informational uh, components to go back to the film or go back to the film evaluators that you trust and go, okay, did they see something or did I see something that I need to reevaluate and relook? And if you see then, you see those trends on tape, then you can make those changes positive or negative. Do not overreact like people did to the three-cone drill of DK Metcalf last year. That's my parting thoughts. Those are coming off of what Jamie said. There are so much. There's so much to learn from this week, which is why we're all here. There's a ton to to kind of. If you have an idea about a player, and then it kind of bolsters that idea. But like Jamie said, to to overreact to. As Bruce always says, you don't learn a lot about a player in shorts, right? This isn't, they're competing in drills. They're not actually taking hits. They're not actually out there playing football. So you can't, can't use this as the complete make or break. But it, this is, this is the time where there are certain guys that are going to show out. Specifically, I think we're going to see a lot of the quarterbacks this week that, uh, the Justin Herberts and Jacob Eason's, when they throw, it's going to be really impressive. And I always know this is that time of the year where people start to, start to get really, really excited about some of that when you see the the ball uh, come out of some of their hands and and how good they were looking, and so I was watching watching tape last night with with Kyle Krabs watching and and going, oh man, there are some Herbert throws that I, I'm looking forward to to seeing some of that um, in the next couple of days. Jamie, how can everybody follow yeah, you on social look, media? Uh, oh, go ahead, uh, James. Before I get into that, one last one, one last point of the reality is sometimes the most important part, or maybe not the most, but it's up there. It's like we were ranked top five. It's probably two through five of the most important parts of the combine, of the stuff we don't see. The meetings that they have with the coaching staff, the answers that they give, the interviews. Just think about this like a job interview. Your your resume is your tape. But when you get called in for the in-person interview, you don't want to bomb it. Now, if you have a meh interview, that doesn't mean you're not going to get the job. It just means they're going to go back to your resume and say, okay, we have some concerns based on the in-person interview, but do they have the experience? Are they showing us blah, blah, blah? That same thing applies here. So, and you have the benefit of having basically in-person interviews with coaches and coaching staffs where you're going over your offenses, where you're going over plays, you're talking about them, about your life, all of those things. So look at the combine as an in-person interview and they've already seen your resume. So you can raise, you can lower your draft stock, but you're not a different person than you were all along just because you had an average in-person interview. So just look at it that way. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the good way I like to look at it. And uh, on that note, you could follow me. Uh, at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. That's a that's a great point, Jamie. You, you bring up it's it's one of those things, and the the unfortunate part for the fans is that you guys don't get the insight that the NFL does. But that's that is why the coaches and GMs are here. They they can sit at home and watch these drills, right? Like they're not here for the drills. And, and many coaches will make that very clear. Like they want. They've watched film. They have a, a pretty good idea of who their guys are, but they want that in-person time. That's why one of the things that the Draft Network, one of the things we're going to be doing is is reporting and keeping tabs on all the meetings that are happening with the players, with the coaches, staff, with the GMs, and, and that's something you can look forward to seeing on the draftnetwork.com. You guys can follow me, as always, at the underscore sports page with an I on Twitter and Instagram. And you guys should follow at the Draft Network LLC on Twitter and at Draft Network on Instagram. Be sure to check out everything we do this week uh, on thedraftnetwork.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.